0: Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You're listening to the Seed to Seed message for December 2022. For more information on this podcast and our other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you from Glenpool, Oklahoma. I'm in the office. I've been editing this month's message. As you know, I skipped November and uh, November was pretty... Full the month, uh, toward the end of October and into the beginning of November, we did four conferences in Nashville for ShopFix Academy in the new building that um, Erin has purchased there. And they were great conferences and a lot of wonderful things have come out of that time together. Uh, Bev and I spent time ministering to individuals. People came to know Jesus and people got set free from unforgiveness. It it was just a great time. Then we went down to Georgia to Grace Covenant Worship Center. As you realize by now, we've had a relationship with that church for the last 18 years. We've been going there almost uh, every year and sometimes twice a year, as we did this year. And it was the celebration of Alex and Jill Montgomery's 20th anniversary as pastors of that body. And we were thrilled to be invited to be part of that. And those messages from that weekend are going to be coming in the new year. I spoke about a prosperous soul. So look forward to that in the new year. Um, Then we had Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, Tracy and Matt took ill. And so we had to delay Thanksgiving from Thursday till Sunday Sunday but we were able to gather and enjoy Thanksgiving together with the family. So it's been a good time. It's been a full time. And now we're into December. And this coming weekend, we'll be going down to Dallas to a Christmas party with our friends there. We're looking forward to that. So this month's message is the continuation or the really the climax of the three messages I preached on the coming of the Holy Spirit. As I pointed out in the last couple of messages, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. And so this is the third message. And when he comes to you is the title of the message. And I know it's going to be a blessing to you. I've just been blessed as I've been editing editing it again. He is so easily entreated when we welcome him. He loves to come. He loves to be invited. He loves to be recognized and acknowledged and so um, i pray that this message will be a blessing to you this is the last month of the year and i just want to say thank you to all of you who've been so faithful in supporting the ministry through this year it is such a blessing to us so many give faithfully month by month through paypal and in other ways And we just want to say thank you to you and speak an abundant harvest upon you of what you have sown into the ministry. You have been a participant in all the blessing that is going out. I uh, did mention to you, and I wanted to just reiterate again that the book, The Birthright, is being reprinted. It's supposed to be completed already. They haven't shipped it yet to us, but... um, That will soon be available. Watch for it on our website. We'll put it up there and you'll be able to order it from our website. So I do need to wish you all a wonderful Christmas season. May it be filled with the joy of the presence of God who didn't want to just relate to us from a distance, but the God who became flesh to dwell among us and he lives, came to live among us and he then sent the Holy Spirit as his representative. And so may it be a wonderful Christmas season with the consciousness of his abiding presence and into the new year. And I will talk to you again in the new year. Be blessed as you listen when he comes to you. Uh, John 16 and verse 7 is the verse that we've been launching from and we're going to go there again. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so what we've looked at over these last couple of days is this. If Jesus said it is to our advantage, what are the advantages? And the primary advantage is this, that Jesus was limited by his physical body only be in one place at one time and the holy spirit is unlimited now what i'm going to stress today is this the holy spirit is not just an influence that floats around in the atmosphere he comes to inhabit and indwell us he can only function in this world through us because we are it we're it we're brought to the price to be the dwelling place of God by His Spirit, Paul says. And so God's Spirit has come to dwell in you and inhabit you so that He can continue to function in the world through you. He doesn't come just to be, some, you know, Lord, I pray you're going to be here today. Well, bring Him in. He's coming in with you. And as you just get free in worship and you express that worship, so the Holy Spirit is free to operate and to move. You know, we're always looking for him to do something from the outside and he's wanting to do something from the inside out because he's in you. He lives in you. You're not coming to church to get something added to you. You're coming to church to have that which is in you released out of you through knowing the truth and believing the truth. It's all about faith under the new covenant okay so the holy spirit dwells in me and jesus said it's advantageous that i go away that he dwells in you and then over and over again he talks about him being the spirit of truth who will lead us into all truth and i stressed last night that he used the word all again all Again and again. He will lead you into all truth. He will take the things of mine and reveal them to you. All that the Father has as mine. That's why I said unto you, he will take the things of mine and reveal them to you. All things he's going to reveal to us. There's no limit to the revelation. It is only limited by your receptivity. And I want to stress again what I said last night. It's important to respond to him every time he speaks to you. Because the more you acknowledge him, the more you will find him directing your paths. If you don't acknowledge him, something happens to you and you just think, well, that was, that was lucky. No, it wasn't lucky. It was the Holy Spirit. Give him the credit, and guess what? He'll show up more and more. Well, thank you for that enthusiastic response. So, nevertheless... I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him into the world. No, to you. He always comes to us. He's a person and he wants to indwell us. And when he has come, verse 8, and you can write imp- in there, and when he has come to you, right? Right? Because that's what he said, he's coming to you. And when he has come to you, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Get that word. He'll convict the world, but he'll guard you. Holy Spirit can't convict you. Because he'd have to use the law to convict you. And you'd feel yucky inside, condemned. Now, I'm going to show you that the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit through what comes out of our mouths, but he's not going to convict you, but you will feel his grieving because he lives within you, okay? But it's not conviction of sin. He cannot convict the believer. He leads us. That's the promise. He'll guide you into all truth because he knows that convicting you doesn't work, that was what the law's purpose was, to make people, people feel bad about their behavior so that they try and change. And the law failed completely. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to do away with the law as a basis of relationship to God so that we might receive righteousness by faith. And I'm going to get to that. Okay. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Wow, that's good. He will tell you things to come. We don't have to live in dark ignorance. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Okay, I want to go back, and we're going to meditate this morning on verse 8, 9, 10 and 11 and when he has come to you he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of the world is of this world is judged I'm going to take those three things in reverse order when he comes to you and he indwells you His work through you is going to convince the world of three things. Number one is the ruler of this world is judged. Satan is a defeated foe. The tragedy is that so many Christians live like Satan is still rampant and is still able to operate in your life. He can only operate to the degree that you'll give him permission. You have authority over him. After Jesus was raised from the dead, before he ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. We have that authority. See, he Jesus painted a picture. He says, when there's a, when there's a strong man fully armed, guards his house, his goods are safe. But when a stronger than he comes, he takes away all the weapons in which he trusted, and he then takes and divides the spoils. He said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who gathers not with me scatters. What's he saying? He's saying, until I arrived, there was a strong man in this world who had everybody intimidated, like a big dog in a neighborhood that keeps all the little dogs, you know, in, in fear. And then one day, a bigger dog arrives. And this big dog goes after that bully that's been harassing the neighborhood. And the big dog chases that dog, and all the little dogs get in behind the big dog and run behind him. Yep, 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 yep. It's like it's their victory. And that's exactly what has happened. Jesus has destroyed the power of the enemy according to what the word says. And we get to get in the train of his triumph. And we get to yap, yap, yap after the devil and rebuke the devil. You see, Jesus has been ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's sitting there waiting for Satan to be put under his feet. How is Satan can get put under his feet? Through you taking your authority and declaring the victory and rebuking Satan when he shows up. Now, don't look for demons under every bush. But when Satan shows up, be sure to take the authority over him because the ruler of the world is judged. Now, I want to go back to John chapter 12 and just we'll come back to chapter 16. In John chapter 12, verse 27... Jesus says this, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. (laughs) I think that's so wonderful. When God speaks, if it's not to you, it sounds like thunder. But when it's to you, you hear what he's saying. Somebody will misunderstand. Don't try and get everybody to accept what you've heard from God because it's a personal word and not everybody is going to understand. And if you run what God says to you by everybody else, they will put unbelief upon you and eventually you'll let take what he's given you and recognize they think it's thundered, but you heard a voice. And the Father said to Jesus, Father said to Jesus, I have glorified and will glorify it again. And Jesus knew. I've heard third time that God spoke audibly at His baptism, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and this third time, and Jesus knew the time had come, and so He says in the next verse, "Oh, you've got to see this! Look at this!" And Jesus answered and said, "This voice did not come for because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now." the ruler of the world will be cast out see he's going to convict the world that satan is judged you look around you say well but look at him he's 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 just On the rampage all around us. Yes, because we as God's people have not risen up in our authority and stood against the enemy because we've been intimidated. And we're intimidated because of the next thing we're going to look at. We don't believe that we are righteous enough to be able to come against the enemy. Because the enemy is so subtle he'll remind you of everything that's wrong with you and just you just... Melt away in the face of battle because you feel unworthy. It's not about your worthiness. It's about the authority that is given to you to stand against the enemy. And it's time for us to stand up and not put up with the enemy and all of his mess. Now is the judgment of this world. Verse 31. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all Peoples to myself. The word people's is in italics. It's not in the original Greek. What is he drawing to himself on the cross? What is it that denudes Satan of his power and authority over mankind? Because Jesus took all the judgment for sin to himself. See, listen, you're not going to win the world by preaching fire and brimstone at them you're going to win the world by preaching the finished work of jesus that now the ruler of this world has been cast out and jesus has got a solution for your life and that is he wants to come and dwell in you through his holy spirit and live his life in and through you that's the message the message of reconciliation 2 Corinthians 5 has been committed to us. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their iniquities against them. If God wasn't imputing, what right do I have to tell people their sin? It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world. Isn't that right? He'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But he wants to do it through us because, he has, he has, this is what I want you to see, you're living a life that is so victorious, even in the midst of the same stuff, I nearly used a bad word, that happens to all of our lives. We all go through that, but you don't fall apart. When stuff happens, why? Because you know your authority over the power of the enemy and you know your father and you know his goodness towards you and you you know the truth. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Jesus took all the judgment upon himself so that I can go to lost people and say, you know that that thing that has been harassing you, Jesus has taken care of it. You don't need to live with that burden of sin and guilt and shame any longer. You can be free of that because Jesus has died and he's taken away the keys from the enemy. He's taken away. Do you know what Isaiah 61 says? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had only to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The message that we have to take to those who are bound is, there is no such thing as a prison door holding them in. He opened all the prison doors. As definitely as the angel opened the prison door for Peter and as definitely as the earthquake opened the prison door for Paul and Silas in prison, he has thrust open the doors. Every one of us can walk in freedom. That's the message. So he wants you to walk in such victory that the world becomes convinced. Why am I allowing Satan to harass my life so much? I could live like them. When he comes to you when he comes to you okay let's go on to the next part he will convict the world of righteousness going back to John 16 he will convict the world of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more what is the significance of that ah this is wonderful when Jesus went to the father He took with him the blood of his sacrifice. When he ascended up on high, he took the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, into the heavenly holy of holies. And he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat. And now God will never, ever look at you for you to produce righteousness any longer. Let me tell you my favorite illustration From the Old Testament. Is this. That under the Levitical system. When somebody who was a sinner. Needed to come. To have their sins forgiven. What did they do? They brought a lamb. And when they brought that lamb. The priest. Would examine the lamb. Right? The the lamb had to be without blemish. And without spot. Did the priest examine the worshipper. See, we have taught lies to the people of God. That God is watching you. God is watching you from a distance. No, he's not from a distance. He's inside of you. He lives in you. That's a load of crap. See, we've got to understand he lives within me and he's not there to, to, to examine my behavior at all. He's come to have fellowship with me. Do you know what the biggest offense was to the Pharisees? That Jesus, who claimed to be the representative of God, came into the earth and he f- was always feasting and drinking. They called him a glutton and a wanbaba. Why? Because he loved to be with people. And the most wonderful time to be with people is over a meal. Just hanging out. Just fellowshipping. That's God. He wants to fellowship with you. See? And so he wanted to have this relationship with you, and he knew that the only way that it could happen is if he gave you the gift of his righteousness and placed you in right standing with himself, through the perfect obedience of His Son, and because Jesus has ascended up on high, how do we know that His sacrifice and the sprinkling of the blood was acceptable? Because the Spirit came. Pentecost is the seal on the fact that Jesus' sacrifice was perfectly acceptable to the Father, and the Father, as a result, because of his obedience, Psalm 45 tr- prophesies this because you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. And that was his reward. When he ascended up on high, he received the joy of the father's presence. And he said, this is too good for me to keep to myself. I'm just going to send it to my disciples. And on the day of Pentecost, they got so full of joy and so happy that everybody thought they were drunk with wine. Peter had to say, these are not drunk with wine, as you suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the sign and seal that Jesus' sacrifice was perfectly acceptable to the Father. Yeehaw! That's why he said, you can convict the world of righteousness. In other words, we should be able to say, like Zorka Forbes, I was pastoring my first church in South Africa, and this Romanian lady showed up to come and minister at our church, and she blew me away because she was so full of Jesus, and I was so full of rational Christianity. And she just lived out and expressed the life of Jesus. And this is how she would witness. She would go into the post office. She did it right there in Farutburg where we lived. She went to the post office and said, Can you see Jesus in me? You should because Jesus lives in me. That's how she would witness to people. Can you see Jesus in me? See, the world is so concerned and religion has been so preoccupied with right behavior. But you've received a gift of righteousness because Jesus has ascended to the Father. His blood has been accepted and the Holy Spirit has come to convince the world of the righteousness of God that it's a free gift available to all. I don't have to get my act together. I don't have to get all my ducks in a row. I can come in simple faith and receive the gift of His righteousness and He's never going to examine me after that because He examined Jesus once and for all and His sacrifices Perfectly acceptable. So get rid of your self-consciousness and your sin consciousness consciousness and become aware of the Christ that is in you and the righteousness that you have. Woo! We are made, according to 2 Corinthians 5:19. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You are made. The righteousness of God. So start acting like it. Start standing in front of the mirror and say, I'm the righteousness of God. Wherever I go today, the righteousness of God goes with me. Because he wants to convince the world that righteousness is not about right behavior, but it's a gift that they can receive. Isn't that right? Yes. Righteousness is a gift. Got, we've got one to go, and this is the best part. He's going to convict the world of judgment. Because the ruler of this world is judged. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. Because I go to my father and you see me no more. I'm not coming back. But I'm sending the Holy Spirit that he had promised in these verses. And then he says this. He will convict the world of sin. Because they do not believe in me. I want you to understand the only thing that the Holy Spirit wants to convict the world of is the sin of unbelief. Because when people go to hell, they won't go because they've broken all the laws of Moses. They'll go to hell because they did not believe in the Son of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? John 3, he repeats it again and again. That one who believes not is condemned already. The judgment of God or the wrath of God abides upon him. But the one who believes is not condemned. You escape all of that because. So, how? If He's coming to you, how is He through you going to convict the world of the sin of unbelief? I want to present this to you. I believe that God has given us these most amazing promises. Bev and I took the covenant meal again this morning, just standing on the promises of God, believing God for him to move today in your hearts. And that transformational work will take place in this place through the power of the word, but the power of the Holy Spirit anointing that word. He's a covenant-keeping God. And he has made these amazing promises. And everyone, says Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in him is yes and amen to the glory of God through us. God is glorified when you are living in the fullness of what he has promised you. Not only is God glorified, But the world then looks at your life and says, I would be foolish not to believe in a God who would do so much for his children. You've got to get that. He wants to convict the world because they look at your life and see the blessedness of your life. And that's why I started with the ruler of this world is judged. Because so often we as Christians are allowing the enemy to, to steal from us, to harass us, to oppress us, and we're not rising up in our authority because he has totally neutralized us through our self-consciousness and a sin consciousness that does not come from the Holy Spirit but comes from the vestiges of the law. And as a result of that, we're not living in that abundance that he wants for us to live in, and as a result of that, we're not expressing the glory of sonship and Daughtership to the world, all the blessings. Bev and I have just said to the Lord, Lord, we want to be so blessed that the world gets so jealous of us that they want to know the reason for the blessing on our lives. And then tell them that it's God. Don't take credit. Don't take any credit for well, you know, well I, I, you know, with mock humility. Yeah, well I'm just you know. I'm smart. No, you're not. You're not smart enough. It's God. You give him the credit, he'll give you more blessing. Isn't that right? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Say it's God. Tell the world it's God. Tell the world it's God. They need to know that it's foolish for them not to believe in God when there's a life of abundance available to them because they see it in you. Okay, well, Brother John, I'm not living in that abundance. Shame on you. No. (laughs) Shame doesn't work. But the reality is this. You've believed a lie. See, Jesus said, he will lead you into all truth. And the truth is what God says about you and how God sees you, your identity in him. And our problem is that we have formed so much of our self-concept from where we've come from and not from the new birth. See, he has made you a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You say, well, I don't see those new things. That's not because you aren't new. It's because your mind needs to be renewed to the truth. And you need to start believing the truth of the blessedness that you have. Listen, God's been so dealing with Bev and I in these last few months And one of the things he's been dealing us with, and this is what we took the covenant meal over this morning, and that is this. David says this in the Psalms, in Psalm 78 and verse 41. They tempted the Lord and limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you know what that word limited is? They made him sick. They made him sick. Because as much as he did for them, they kept on putting the limits on God. Proverbs Solomon says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. And the word issues in the Hebrew is boundaries. Your heart sets the boundaries on your life. And your heart, the enemy wants to just come against you in your heart and convince you that you're not blessed, that God's not in favor for you, that God's not doing all of these things for you because there's something wrong with you and so on. And your heart, you've got to keep your heart with all diligence because your heart sets the boundaries for God. You limit God through what comes out of your heart. Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so, the last thing I want to hit on this morning is this: that because the Holy Spirit lives within me, and because He is a person, and because He is subject to my decision making, He's never going to force Himself. Paul says in in Ephesians uh, five and verse eighteen b. Being filled with the Spirit continually being filled with the Spirit why do we need to be being filled with the Spirit because continually we need to be allowing him to take his rightful place and fill us to fullness with his presence you see don't, don't hear me saying you leak because you don't leak. He doesn't go away. He's come to abide with you forever. But you can get so busy and so distracted that you're not conscious of his presence within you. And you live alienated from the life of God, as Paul describes it in Ephesians 4. And so it's a matter of us continually being aware that our hearts can betray us because our emotions can get the better of us and we stop walking in the truth because our hearts David Holland some of you if you watch TBN you know that they've been offering his little book Praying Grace it's a great book you need to get it with it's 55 readings Praying Grace and it'll revolutionize your prayer life and what he talks about is If your heart doesn't condemn you, then you have confidence toward God. What the enemy wants to do is put condemnation on your heart and let your heart condemn you because it makes you ineffectual and ineffective. And instead of you displaying all of the fruit of faith in your life, you start shriveling up because of the condemning heart. And so the condemning heart goes away when you understand righteousness. I've got one more verse that I want us to look at. And that is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll be through pretty soon. Are you liking it? Oh, Jesus. Ephesians four twenty nine. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, and he dwells within you, Paul says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and conjunction, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I want to submit to you that what grieves the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us is when we speak words that are contrary to the truth. Oh, I'm sick today. No, you're not. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. See, what's coming out of your mouth? And he says, let no corrupt communication. You know what that word corrupt is? Putrefied. It's rotten. Rotten speech grieves the Holy Spirit. And it's rotten because it's not according to truth. He says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only such as is good for edifying. You need to edify yourself. You need to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude says, You can build yourself up or you can tear yourself down by what comes out of your mouth. I believe we're living in a time where more than ever God's people need to be aware that we cannot be careless with the words of our mouth. We need to be careful because you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God within you. Does that mean he leaves? No, because he's come to abide with us forever. But I can grieve my wife, can't I? I can say something stupid, and I do that from time to time, and she has to forgive me. But you see, the relationship is easily restored when we say sorry. And when you say something and the, you can feel, the Spirit is grieved within me. That's not conviction of sin. He's just grieved. and we <laughs> He wants us to be so sensitive to him that the slightest bit of grieving, we immediately... <gasps> Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. And immediately he'll come back. I had one of the greatest illustrations of this. Years ago, James Roberson Bible Conference, he invited John Wimber. John Wimber came to James Robinson's Bible Conference. And John Wimber taught on just the ministry of the Holy Spirit in healing. that Because they were seeing so much healing in California, in his churches there. And so he said, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. And so he, he said, and we're going to just be quiet and let the Holy Spirit come. And he said, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. You could just whoo, <laughs> whoo, You just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit come into the room. He's so easily entreated, but he does get grieved. But when you say sorry... So what happened was this, everything got still, and in true form, somebody from a Pentecostal background took the silence as a wonderful opportunity to go off in a tongue, and then somebody else jumped up and gave an interpretation, it was just not God at all. God was trying to minister in the stillness. So John Wimber, in wonderful fashion, said, how many of you discerned that that tongue and interpretation was from God? And a few hands went up. How many of you felt that it wasn't God? And the rest, there are about 1,500 there, raised their hands. So he just taught and he says, well, now I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit is easily grieved, but he's easily welcomed back. And he just said, we're going to invite him back. And he said, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to return. And I remember Dudley Hall was sitting in the front row and he said, the wind came by me in a rush. See, the Holy Spirit, he's come to indwell you. And he just wants you to welcome him. That's we sang this last night. You know, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. And I said, put it on your heart. He's not welcome in this building. He's welcome in here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. When you receive him you get all the benefits of his indwelling presence. So I know we all say dumb things and we grieve the Spirit, but be quick to say, I'm sorry. You don't have to spend long years in penance. All you do is say, I'm sorry, and say, Holy Spirit, I receive your fullness again. You get it? So watch your words. That's my word to you this morning. Watch your words. Let your words be full of life. And he said this. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only such as is good for edifying, that it might impart grace to the hearers. Your words are a means of transportation of grace to a hearer. Think of that, think of that, think of that. The grace of God can minister through your words to a hearer that it lifts the heavy load off of them. It breaks the bonds of Satan off of them because you've just ministered grace through your words. Father, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Capture our hearts with the truth of the judgment of the ruler of this world, of the righteousness, because you've gone to the Father. We can live in victory over Satan, and we can live in right standing with you, relaxing from trying to perform and impress you and impress others by what we do. And then thirdly, we can receive all of your blessings so that the world around us becomes convicted of the stupidity of them being unbelievers. Because why wouldn't they want to have the blessing that we have? Lord, we're signing up for all of that blessing, magnificent blessings. Poured out in abundance upon us. Change us on the inside. Renew our minds, Lord. Where there is unbelief within us, change us. And I know that as we begin to speak the truth of what you say, we will be renewed through the words of God coming out of our mouths. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we don't have to go into mourning when we grieve the Holy Spirit we can immediately say, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. He hasn't left, but he just wants to take his rightful place. Be filled, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. His presence is so wonderful. There's no substitute for his presence. The Holy Spirit really delights to be spoken about. He delights to have his work and his operation, declared, "He comes when we talk about him." When I went into ministry, my mother said to me, "John, preach about the blood and preach about the Holy Spirit.") <laughs> That is the full gospel. The finished work of Jesus, the power of his blood to cleanse from every sin and then the Holy Spirit coming to dwell within us. And Bev said this, was it last night? But make a friend of the Holy Spirit. Talk to him like like a friend. Just talk to him like a friend invite him into every decision every area every consideration acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you the lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you which means turn his face toward you and give you his peace his shalom in this way, God said, you will set my name on my people, and I might bless them. Is that it? No, I will bless them. So, I used to play the organ from time to time in a Dutch Reformed church in South Africa, and the last thing that the dominie would say, the preacher would say, is, Ont fang die fang die Receive the blessing of the Lord as they'd walk out. So receive the blessing of the Lord in Jesus' name. This is the conclusion of this message. You've been listening to the ministry of John and Beverly Sheesman. For more information on this and other available teachings, please visit our website at www.liberatedliving.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening.